Hello, and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us today. It's good to have you here, and may the Lord bless this opportunity to learn from His Word today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm chapter 103. I highly recommend when we do these studies, as well as our daily Bible reading, that you follow along in your actual Bible. There's a lot more things that you can get out of this for maximum effect, as well as for retention, that you get familiar with the Bible that you have, as well, instead of just listening to me talk. So we're going to be reading the first five verses today. The word says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. Now, Psalm 103 is a song of David, the man after God's own heart. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon believed that this psalm was written in David's older years as a kind of reflection and gratitude for all that God did in his life. Imagine for a moment how this scene may have looked. I can see David as an old man, you know, a head full of reddish-gray hair, sitting in a parlor or library on a comfortable chair by some warm fireplace. And he's just writing down and remembering the path that God took him down throughout his life. I can see him looking up toward heaven with a heart of gratitude as he remembered the times when God delivered him out of impossible situations, as well as those periods of stubbornness when he hardened his heart and made poor choices. If anyone understood the mercies of God and the trials that life can bring, it was David. As a teenager, he was anointed king of Israel by the prophet Samuel, but it took almost 25 years before he actually sat up on the throne. In order to be a proper, righteous king, he had to undergo training, and God was his drill sergeant. When you read about the life of David in 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll see that there are times where he fully depended on God to work on his behalf, and he was very successful. But there were times where he tried to solve his problems on his own and ended up making his life much more difficult. We are separated from David by about 3,000 years, but he has a way of being relatable to us today, doesn't he? I love that about the Bible don't you? In fact, when you zoom out a bit, we aren't that much different than him. What do I mean? Well, we too, as believers, are anointed by God. But just because we are now anointed doesn't mean that we have it all figured out, right? I will be the first to admit that I do not have it all figured out, not even close. And because God didn't choose to download all of his wisdom into us when we get saved, we also have to undergo training in our lives in order to arrive at where God wants us to be. We each have our daily struggles and our victories, just like David, but also like David, we sometimes forget the Lord throughout the process. And that's what we're going to explore today. What does that mean 
to forget the Lord? Is it simply forgetting that he exists, or is this implying something else, something deeper and more problematic? So the first thing to note here is remembering the Lord is a command. It's a command. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When God spoke to the nation of Israel with a thundering voice at Mount Sinai, this was not a suggestion. This was not an option, and neither is it for us today. Love is a feeling that we can have toward God, but God is clearly stating here that it goes beyond just a feeling. We are commanded to love the Lord with 100% of who we are and withhold nothing from him by putting it into action. And if you truly love someone like that, how can you forget them? It's like me saying that I love my wife, and then one day I forget who she is. It sounds ridiculous, right? So how can we say that about God? How can we say that we forget him when we know he's there? So is there something else that we're doing instead? And that question being answered may be problematic for us as well. So let's dive into that. So the next thing to consider is that remembering the Lord is an action. It is not something that is done passively. If we look closely at what God commanded his people to do, it is a progression that begins within ourselves. This could easily be another sermon or message in itself, but let's briefly break down what God spoke in those verses we just read. He starts by commanding us to love him. Something needs to happen inside of us for that love to awaken and to grow. Now, we know that we are born into a sinful nature. Therefore, it is not natural for us to love God in this capacity. Only by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit can this take place. At that point, the responsibility returns to us. By seeking the Lord daily, we will learn how to love him and how to deepen our relationship with him. The intentional pursuit of the Lord will cause him to be on our heart, which describes what should be occupying our thoughts throughout the day. His words through us should be taught to our children and talked about at the dinner table. The first thought that comes to mind when we wake up in the morning should be about him. He wants us to think about him throughout our day. At night, he is with us as we lay down on our beds and we thank him for the day. And think about this as well. When you close your eyes and you are unconscious, the Lord is still protecting you. You are dropping your guard for the entire night, trusting that nothing will happen to you. But who is the one that secures that sense of safety? It's the Lord, right? We bind his words on our hands, 
by doing our work honestly and with our full effort. To have his words as frontals on the forehead is for someone to look at you and know without a doubt that you're different and that you have something that the world so desperately needs. The very doorposts of your house, the very foundation of who we are and who your family is, should have God written all over it. Do you see how this progression works? The love of God starts from outside of us, right? Since God first loved us. So he's the first one that takes action. Then it grows from within, and you'll start to see that you are inviting God into all areas of your life. So if we understand it like this, how can we forget the Lord? If we are inviting him into everything that we're doing, everything that we are, everything that motivates us, how can we forget him? So here's something else. Remembering God moves from being an internal passion into an external action that the world sees through you. With this, I think it's safe to say that we have the proper context and mindset that David had when he wrote Psalm 103. So let's go back and explore that scripture a little bit further. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The first thing to note here is that we don't have the power to actually bless the Lord, right? Only a superior being like God can bless inferior beings like us. There is nothing that we can give God that he doesn't already have. However, what David is calling his soul to do is to do more. More worship to God for who he is. More worship to God for what he has done. This is consistent throughout the Bible, that God expects his people to worship him and to give praise to him. And it should be done naturally, because that love that's within us for him should be an outpouring of our heart and from our mouths. David understood this, and I firmly believe that he understood the deeper truth of Deuteronomy chapter 6. He didn't doubt that he does worship and praise the Lord, but was he giving God everything? And that's why that last part was important enough for him to write in the psalm, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. All that is within you should bless his holy name. So here's the next thing. It's hard to forget God when you give him everything, right? That seems like a natural progression. This is also something that God requires from us as his worshipers, to give him everything that we are and everything that we hope to be. Only when we give our full, complete, surrendered self to God do we fully and truly worship him. Our worship of God, whether it's at church singing to him, at home with your family, or just going through the troubles of life, the stressful things, our worship of God should never be superficial. And it's important to remember God's benefits, like he says here in verse 2. Bless the Lord, 
O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Now, that's not why we pursue the Lord. We don't pursue him for his benefits, because that's what the world does. That's what the false Christians do. They don't love God, but they love what he can do for them. So we have to be careful not to be in that same train of thought. And I very much like that David started his psalm with verse 1 instead of verse 2. He is showing us that we should bless the Lord as a person for who he is and not solely for what he can do for us. If your relationship with God is not personal, we can be disillusioned into treating God like he's some kind of divine sugar daddy or some impersonal force or some genie that grants wishes or that we have to perform certain rituals to earn or deserve his attention. When we spend time studying his word, we will quickly discover that God is not like that, but he desires closeness with us. He wants us to spend time with him, just like you would with your spouse, with a loved one, or with a close friend. He wants the same thing. Where do you think that concept came from? It came from him. And look at what it says at the end of the verse. David calls us to remember his benefits. But what are his benefits? Well, David was kind enough to give us a sampling of that in his next verses. So we, the next couple of verses tell us exactly what those benefits are. So the first thing we see is his mercy. Look at verse 3. Who pardons all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Now, God hates sin. We know that. But God is merciful to provide a means of forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. He gave us the opportunity to be forgiven. That's an act of mercy if you've ever seen one. The second half of this verse wouldn't make sense if we see it from a strictly physical meaning. God certainly does heal our bodies when we are sick. But it's also referencing a spiritual disease that he's healed in our lives. When we receive salvation, when we are changed into the new creature, we are no longer slaves to sin or addictions or the evil inclinations of this world. We were purchased for a price through the blood of Christ. And because of that price that has been paid, that debt, that is nullified, we are free. We are free indeed from the things of this world. What's next? Verse 4 talks about his compassion. He redeems your life from the pit, and he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. So, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a special anointing of the Holy Spirit. He has built a bridge in our souls that no longer separates us from God across a great chasm. Instead, he loves us and wants us to be with him for all eternity. Now, let's be clear. Before he created anything, he was in perfect union with himself. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is in complete communion with itself. He doesn't need us. He's completely satisfied and content in himself. 
But yet, because he loves us, he's chosen us. There's a difference between needing someone and wanting someone, right? You go to the workforce and say you're a boss for a company. You need your employees in order to be successful in your job, right? I can't do everything by myself. I have to have employees who work for me in order to accomplish the tasks. But we know those particular employees that are so good at what they do. And we know that without those key people, we would be struggling big time. And so you treat them a little bit differently than the others. And you have a fondness toward that person. And sometimes they take care of the job so well that you, as the boss, never learn how to do that particular thing. So at that point, you actually need them, right? But you also want them. It's like when you get married, you don't need to get married. But you want that person, and you want them forever. It's that desire that goes beyond a need. And God is the same way with us. He loves us, and he wants us. He doesn't need us, but he certainly wants us. And we should be grateful to that. How good does it feel that the God of the universe wants you to be with him for all eternity? How precious is that? Because now that we are joint heirs with Jesus, we are now considered royalty in the eyes of God. We are princes and princesses of a heavenly kingdom to come. The truth is that we are not significant in ourselves, but through his grace, God chose to bestow purpose, honor, and glory with him in us, now and for all eternity. If we truly understood the implications of this, the very thought of this should fill us with hope and joy every day. Now, when we look at verse 5, we will see God's grace, his unmerited favor. Verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. God is so good, isn't he? I don't think there's anyone listening to this that has ever been given the bare minimum by God. I don't think anyone can say that God has only given them what was absolutely necessary to survive for the next day. He satisfies us. This goes beyond just material wealth or entertainment. This is true contentment. That's something the world cannot offer us. When God satisfies you with good things and you are acutely aware of where these good things come from, we can be content. There is nothing in the world that can cause us to be content like this. And when it does happen to us, and we are thankful for it, it gives us energy. It gives us hope. It gives us strength, like that of an eagle. So you look at it in this way, and you, you can't help but just say, Wow! David really understood the heart of God. But you know what? Despite everything that David wrote... In this psalm and all the other psalms that he wrote, David was not perfect. He made some very big mistakes, both before and after he became king, and they were written down for us to read. 
How can someone like him sin against the Lord and forget his benefits and forget his satisfaction and forget how to love him as he desires? Especially after understanding this at such a deep, high level. The truth is, we are exactly the same way. From one minute to the next, from one day to the next, if we are not careful to do what God has commanded us to do, we can forget God and try to go it alone. We forget God when we get busy and set Him off to the side. We forget Him when we're distracted with the vices of this world and the pursuit of our own pleasures. We forget God when we are not attentive to His will, and we choose not to meet Him in prayer or in His Word. Our ability to sin and to stray is so easy because it's in our very nature. There are two ways that we typically sin. We either do it accidentally or we do it intentionally. Now, we could say accidental sin is a lack of knowledge of God and his commandments in some way. But when we intentionally sin, we are telling God that we don't trust him or that we don't want to obey him. When we choose to sin instead of obey him, we have chosen to forget or block God from our memories in order to seek our own will. It's the Holy Spirit that sheds light on this darkness within us. And many times when we realize how far off track we have gotten, it will make us sick. You may feel guilty or ashamed of yourself or angry at your own weakness, and I think we can all understand that. I personally am very hard on myself, and I'm pretty sure that I have an easier time forgiving others than I do forgiving myself. Those feelings of remorse are healthy, and they are the catalyst for us to repent and return to God's goodness. But you know what? Let me tell you something absolutely amazing. God is not surprised that we are this way. And when we respond to his conviction, he responds in kind. The Lord responds to those who fear him. David wasn't done with his psalm at verse 5. There is more to look at, but before we get there, let's read a couple of other passages from Scripture. Psalm chapter 34, verses 7 through 11 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, for they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We are busy. We are distracted. We are inattentive. But God is faithful. And if we stay close to him, he will stay close to us. So let's go down to verse 8 of Psalm 103. 
The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Wow. Jesus was very clear when he said this in Matthew 16, 24. He said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He also said something similar in Matthew 10, verse 38. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Do you love the Lord? How easily do we forget him? Let's be honest with ourselves. We all forget him. I will admit to you right now, I confess, that I forget him often throughout the course of my day. Sometimes when I'm angry, I forget him. Sometimes when I feel very selfish or I feel wronged by somebody, I forget him. And instead of running to him to fix my problem or to be comforted, sometimes I want to run the other way and seek the, the old things of my life that used to comfort me in the past. They were temporary things that have no value in themselves. But we know that is how our bodies are. We are of flesh. And even though that we are in the image of God, we are regenerated as new creatures. The old nature still exists within us, and it's a constant fight. Isn't it? That's why Paul says that I do things that I don't want to do, and I do the very thing that I hate. He understood that because we are at war within ourselves. Because we have a holy God that has resided within us. He has indwelt us as a guarantee as a promise of our eternal salvation. And he reminds us and convicts us of the sins in our life. But there are those times that we try to squash him, that we try to silence him, that we try to ignore him. And sometimes we're successful, and he lets us get away with it. It's not that we're more powerful than him, but sometimes he lets us get away with it so that we can fall on our face. He knows we'll be back. And we always come back if we are truly saved. We will be recognize our sin, and we will seek forgiveness, and we will repent. So let's not grieve the Lord. Let us do what we can in order to not forget him. Remembering God in the easy times is hard. It's easy to bless God the Lord when things are going well, but after a while, 
you're going to start thinking, well, I don't really need you right now, God. Everything's good. I'm going to take my foot off the gas, so to speak, and I'm good. So you can leave me alone. Go help somebody else who needs more help than me right now. And those are the opportunities that Satan loves to step in and try to ruin our lives. And then what happens? We forgot the Lord in the process. And when the times get hard, then we cry out to the Lord again. Lord, I need you now. When we don't have to leave him at all. I know that's not completely possible. But at least try to make a conscious effort of it. Right? God has never forgotten us. And he will never abandon you. He promised that. He made many promises in the Bible. And he keeps them all. Do we live by those promises? Do we run to God in times of hardship? Do we run to God in times of prosperity? He wants us at both times. Can you trust God with everything? Can you fully surrender everything to him? That was a hard lesson for me to learn. There was always a part of me I wanted to hold on to because I felt that if I lost it, then I would be depressed. And that's video games. There was a period of time where I fully surrendered my life to the Lord, except for that. I wanted to hold on to that one thing, because it's the one thing in my life that gave me joy, the one thing in my life that I felt, God, you don't need to touch this. Let this be mine. You can have everything else. But what do you think was naturally going to happen? The video games took over as being my God, the idolatry in it, and the corruption of mind that comes from video games. He kept telling me, since the time he saved me um, and regenerated me in 2017, he kept telling me, you need to stop completely playing. Don't play at all. Don't compromise with it. You need to be removing yourself completely from that equation. And he didn't say it without wasting words. He wasn't suggesting it was a command. And anytime I disobeyed that command, things happened. Consequences. And that darkness that he knew was going to come out in me. When he told me not to do it to begin with. He knew better than I did. And he always knows infinitely better than we do. Because we, as human beings, are so short-sighted. And we cannot see the future. But he does. So we may not understand why things are the way they are. Or why he may tell us to do or not do certain things. But it's because he loves us and he knows better. He knows what's good for us. Why is God doing anything in this universe? What two things motivate him? One is anything and glorifies him. And secondly is he does all things for our good. And those are the two things he always does. Everything that he does is within those two parameters. He never makes mistakes, so everything he does is perfect and good. But ultimately, it's not about us. It's about him. He wants to be glorified. And he will do it for his glory. So I ask you, do not forget the Lord. 
in good times or bad. He has never forgotten you. But use the opportunities and these times to stop and reflect and bless the Lord from your soul. Everything within you, bless his holy name. Do not forget his benefits. Remember everything he's done for you and is doing for you. And he is full of compassion and loving kindness. He hasn't punished you like you deserve. And he knows our frame. He knows that we are weak human beings and he is patient with us. And he strengthens us and he rescues us from our problems. And we will one day meet him face to face in heaven. And we will worship him for all eternity. And it won't be a boring thing like the world tries to tell us. It will be the most magnificent thing we could imagine. Beyond what we can even imagine, it'll be that amazing. And that's what we get to look forward to. He knows our weakness. He knows that we are but dust. He created us. He knows us inside and out. Trust him with everything today and moving forward. And see what he can do with your life at that point. It will be amazing, beyond what you imagine he could do. Do not be so short-sighted with your own life, and do not underestimate the power of the Lord. He is mighty, and he can do anything. But do you trust him with that? I hope you enjoyed this message. I'm Ryan. And have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Take care and God bless you.